fantasy football picks and bets presented by Prize Picks. Go join Prize Picks right now for all of the best season long over unders. In the description, you can find the link to prizepicks.com or just go to prizepicks.com and use code MMN for Mayo Media Network. Subscribe to this show on Apple Podcasts or wherever you download your audio podcast. But the big thing is, if you subscribe to the Apple Podcast version of Fantasy Football Picks and Bets on Mayo Media Network, leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, something you enjoy about the show, a Twitter handle, or your email address, you are in a draw for a cash giveaway. The more reviews that we compile for this show, the higher the prize pool is going to be. So do your part, leave the review, support Mayo Media Network, subscribe on YouTube as well, by the way. And you have a chance to win some bucks. Sounds pretty good. If you missed episode one, Davis Maddock and I talked a little bit about some of our season-long totals for the Green Bay Packers and looked on prize picks for that, plus some DraftKings best ball as well. Later on in the show, Peter Overzet, yeah, Big Pete, he's going to be on talking some more best ball strategy. But right now, from the Mayo Media Network, from FTNDaily.com, Jeff Feinberg, we got to talk some Chargers over-unders for the season, my man. I'm fired up. I'm ready to go. That lightning bolt. I'm feeling the pure adrenaline, Pat. How? What's your outlook on the Chargers? Because OTAs are starting soon, right? Uh, no, training camp is, training starting, camp is starting soon. Right. Yeah, so. no, we are on the cusp of camp opening. Um, it, it's just, honestly, it's sunshine and rainbows. Now, my expectations, is there a ceiling that I'm hoping they could hit that people far smarter than I are telling me is possible they could hit? Absolutely. But more realistic, I want to compete for a wild card. I want to see two things. I want to see Justin Herbert continue um, what we saw last year. In some regards, overachieving that could be difficult. So let's just continue on that path. And I'm expecting to see from go because I've already seen it. But every time he gets in front of a microphone, I know the Chargers are going to be prepared to play football. So coach, quarterback is going to be a lethal combination for the Chargers, I believe, going forward. So if you want to go look at all the projections for this year, runthesims.com is free until the end of July. All the season-long stuff will remain free throughout the course of the year. So if you're just a season-long fantasy football player, go do the free sign-up right now at runthesims.com. If you want to use the optimizer, the game simulations, all of the betting tools, then you should go to runthesims.com slash mayo and take advantage of the founder's price right now. It's $50 cheaper than it will be on August 1st, and you get that price for life. So it's probably pretty essential that you go to runthesims.com slash mayo and go check that out right now. The over-under on prize picks for Justin Herbert right now, Jeffrey, is 4,500 passing yards. I'm not the biggest believer in Herbert fantasy-wise this year, just because I think he's going to run a lot less because he's not going to be a chicken with his head cut off at this point. But that seems really low. Like looking at him versus Dak, Dak is set at 47, uh, 4,700 and a half passing yards. Like, that's the same as Matt Ryan. Although I think that Matt Ryan might have a better chance. The projections at runthesims.com, when you go and look at him right now, as you can see, 4,776 yards is the projection for him passing-wise over the course of 17 games. Does that feel like an over to you? Uh, it certainly does feel like an over to me. I did mention you want to see Herbert stay on that path, but I believe they will be... Um, set up way better to take advantage of all of his strengths, Pat. And I 100% agree. 
I think the rushing, while he does have that ability and athleticism, when you're a rookie, you want to like show off, not show off, but you need to show that you've got the stomach for this, that you got the heart for this, especially at quarterback. And there's no better way of doing that than charging into the end zone. He did it five times last year. That's not going to continue, in my opinion. Uh, full on air attack, well, well, uh, much more methodical play calling in setting up the deep balls, the play actions that will allow for Justin Herbert to take advantage of this simple metrics, Pat. We're not going to run as much as they did last year, just based on the Anthony Lynn math of how much he likes to. It would be impossible for Joe Lombardi to do that. Are, are you saying that the new game plan for the Chargers is going to be like, you know what? We're down by 30. We need to establish Justin Jackson. It is infuriating to see the Justin Jackson runs on second and nine. And they happened far more than they ever, ever should have. Um, they're going to spread them out. And, 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 and while Staley is from the defensive side of the ball in terms of his NFL coaching chops and maybe the advantageous positions that the defense can put the chargers in if they're able to stay healthy do not realize this guy is from like the sean McVay tree and the sean McVay um concepts well, of how to just yeah but he's like the bad looking sean McVay friend the less yes he is the less attractive friend from the friends of sean McVay coaching tree He's like the nerdy friend that helped them do some homework they didn't want to do. He, he, was, the, he was the guy running the analytics department, hopefully. <laughs> yeah, hopefully. That seems sort of like what I got here. But, but the concepts and the, um, the overall thinking of how football should be played, um, especially from an offensive perspective in like the no let up, no stop, keep going uh, aspects that Sean McVay has sort of introduced or brought to a new level in the league in the last couple of years, I, I fully expect the Chargers to embrace. So, yeah, over over Herbert. Yeah, over Herbert 4,500. I don't know if it's one of my favorites, but let's say in a theoretical world, Jeff, that you went on prize picks and there was a season-long contest of preseason futures and you had to pick 25 of them over or under and the person with the most right at the end won a giant jackpot. Is that something you would be interested in? That sounds very interesting in planting 25 flags. You plant 25 flags, and then there's just standings. Whoever gets the most right. It would be a lot like the one and done that we ran for fantasy football. It would be like a season-long contest. And then, you know how in the years past we've done like Super 7s, some people do the Super Contest for like spreads. What if you could go on to prize picks every single week in season, and you got to pick seven overs or unders on whatever the yardage props or whatever whatever totals that you like whether it be fantasy points yards passing touchdowns whatever it might be and you had to lock in your seven and that was the contest for the year too two separate contests let me say pat mayo i think you've done it again sir because that sounds fantastic and it's something fun that everyone can compete in so i'm kind of on board with this so i'm gonna put some pressure on prize picks to make that something available for this show because it gets me very excited to be a part of this what's going on in the backfield here because i have austin eckler ranked pretty highly in fantasy a lot of that has to do with how many passes he's going to catch when he was healthy and herbert was healthy last year he actually caught more passes per game and saw more targets per game than he did with philip rivers so I thought that was kind of strange, but the yardage prop that we're seeing on him right now uh, on prize picks is 850 on the dot rushing yards. 
That one's going to be a bit tricky to me, I think, because when I go over to run the Sims and look at his projection, I am at 54% of the rushing share of this team. And it feels like that could be too high, but who is taking carries from him? Is it really going to be Justin Jackson? Because that would not be smart. I'm not, I have no confidence in Justin Jackson. I have no confidence in Joshua Kelly, who was what, a third or fourth round pick from UCLA last year, Pat. So this is a question mark that I am really, I am not clear on, on just exactly how that backfield is going to be utilized. You hear people talk about it in many different ways. Um, you know, the fact that it is Joe Lombardi from the Saints, that whole Kamara uh, aspect and how they could see Kamara playing a similar or Eckler playing a similar role to Kamara. But do we see Eckler getting the amount of carries Kamara got? I don't, I don't know that I could foresee that. I got to say, I am most confused about the chargers backfield of anything um, on the, on, on this team heading into this season. Not so much, you know, it's exciting to have Eckler, but just so much, or sorry, more about how this new coaching staff is going to utilize the running game. Uh, that's a total question mark for me. And it seems like a lot of people in the fantasy space, uh, there is a big, have a big question mark on the Chargers. I am not willing to put my flag that he's going to clear that number. So the biggest thing for me that I look at, and, and the projections we have met at 238 carries that gets him out at a 4.7 yards per carry to 1130 rushing yards. Okay. That, that seems optimistic to say the least that would make him like one of the best fantasy picks of the year. But if we just scale that back a little bit and we say, let's give him 190 carries, which is 40 less than we have him for right now and drop him down to 4.5 yards per carry. He still cracks this number. I'm pretty sure. Let's see. 4.5 times 190, uh, he would cl still clear this prize picks number by five yards. If that was, I mean, that's giving him 40 fewer carries. That's giving him, you know, less in terms of yards per carry. It just seems like a really low number if he's actually going to be the guy in this backfield. And like that, that's taking a lot away from him. You are right. Like I could be sitting here not giving him the respect that the staff might actually just be giving him the workload um, that you could argue he has certainly deserved the right to have. They've made no additions there. And I would say that total, Pat, that 850 total that is out there right now that you're discussing, like I have seen some people draft him like very high where like there is no question that he probably clears that number based on how high people seem to want to be selecting him um, in fantasy this year. Yeah, but it, so much of that has to do with that he's going to put up like mini McCaffrey numbers where he's probably going to be second on this team to Keenan Allen receptions. Okay, yeah. And even there's no goal line back. And as we discussed, Herbert, I don't want Herbert running five touchdowns in. No, and, and maybe it's like Kelly or Jackson ends up being that guy, but I just... Like, and like, even that, that optimistic, like rushing percentage that we gave him the 238 carries based on what we saw is based on a 54% market share. That's not that high. It makes him the lead back, but not substantially the lead back. Like if you cut that down to 40, he still clears this rushing prop. I think I like that. When you think about like preseason, like yardage totals and that, I know you don't play a ton of them. That's why I think it's more fun to do it on prize picks because you can put a few together and then you can kind of like juice everything up. You can like, basically like, you know, you get progressively higher. Like you get three of them. It's like five times your money kind of thing. 
Uh, and just instead of just betting solos, then you're paying VIG on either side. It's not all that much fun. They have to wait there for four months in order to get your money. But I think that's one that I would go to more than the Herbert one, I think. But do you factor an injury at all to any of those stuff? Uh, I think you have to. You have to acknowledge that variable. Austin Eckler always seems to get hurt. Yeah. Is that? But I don't know. The Chargers, what team in the league improved their offensive line more than the Chargers? So that leads probably to the oppor- you know, more cashed-in opportunities on, on those carry projections. Yeah, so if we end up looking at uh, the receivers, like obviously Keenan Allen is going to be the one that's up there. We'll get to his prize picks projection in a second. Who after Keenan Allen is the guy in this offense? Is it real brittle Mike Williams, your favorite player? I have already put in the back of my head that Mike Williams is going to be a significant draft day target for me at the very end of drafts. Um, I'm hopeful he can finally live up to the ceiling that the coaching staff will put him and the entire team in far more advantageous situations. I'm, I'm one of those people. I've never really been bullish on Mike Williams. I'm actually quite bullish on what he could be doing this season. Do you trust him to stay healthy whatsoever though? I'm as hard on the guy as anybody. This guy can't eat. This guy needs a trainer. 0.75 of his targets, like three out of every four targets. He needs a trainer reception or incompletion. It's like they have to, hire like his own specific trainer to the staff because someone always needs to be working on the guy. Well, that is a, that's a fear. And and, and like the three touchdown, like the red zone presence, we know how good he can be down there, how vertical he gets and comes. It's just every time he jumps up for a ball, I assume he's going to like tweak his back every time that he comes down. So let's say I'm not huge on Mike Williams this year. But if it was anyone else after those guys, you have Keenan Allen, we know him and Eckler are going to be the focal points of this passing offense. After Mike Williams, who is it going to be? Let's say Mike Williams gets hurt week one. Who now steps up? Is it Guyton? Is it Jordan Palmer? Are these the type of guys that you're looking at? Yeah, it would be. I mean, I thought YR3 might be a definite need for the team in the offseason. They thought they could do that in the third round of the of the draft. But that being said, uh, Guyton um, and Johnson were very productive players. And Justin Herbert had a real rapport with them last year. Like he counted on them. He threw the ball to spots for them and they made good on it. And the funny thing is, or the reality of the situation is with how last year and how last offseason worked out and training camp with the no preseason and, you know, limited situations, Herbert, you know, for whatever, for the obvious, well, for whatever reason, for the obvious reason was just really not considered by Anthony Lynn. And those were the guys that he built his, um rapport with uh and then when he got in the games they were there for him so i'm having a hard time distinguishing between the two but i think guyton would definitely have that lead up yeah i think he would be my pick over mike williams just because mike williams isn't necessarily going in the last round he's like a 10th round pick like guyton is going undrafted and i liked what i saw from him last year too finally tight end wise our most hated player of all time, Jared Cook, is now on your team, taking very valuable playing time away from Parham, the best tight end in the league. What's going on? 
Yeah, this was an off-season move that not like I I dreaded and I feared and I I may have verbalized into existence, um, you know, based on some of the conversations that we had. It was an easy dot though to connect once it came apparent Hunter Henry was leaving, um, who I wish they signed because I believe though he might be seen as an underachiever. I think he's going to be playing his best football going forward. Um, and I've mentioned it a few times, the Joe Lombardi tie from the Saints. Here we have this tight end on a one-year contract now. Um, I'm not excited about it, but I have grown to like it more than I, I have. It's amazing how these teams can put out a little bit of web content, Pat, and it can like suck me into not hating Jared Cook at this moment until he drops a touchdown. But under Jared Cook, everything. Yeah, me. under Jared Cook, everything. Although one game might be enough to get him to all of his overs because he'll have like a 249-yard <laughs> game and catch zero balls for the next seven because, hey, it's Jared Cook. That's what he does. Jeff Feinberg. Follow him on Twitter at GFeinberg17 and check out the Jeff Feinberg Show on FTN Daily. Also presented by Prize Picks uh, over there on Wednesdays and Fridays. And of course, just watch him every week on the Pat Mayo Experience. We're going to be doing win total soon, Jeff. So you got to bring your A game for that. I am I'm excited for all things all things football. And I've got my I can't wait to share my favorite NFL prop of the year. Oh, I am excited to hear Future. that. So, so, yeah, I mean. Not so, Chargers. Nothing not, to do with the Chargers. Really? You've looked at other teams that aren't the Chargers. I have looked at, listen, I can't wait to show you and tell you and the audience, Pat, the list of Charger props and futures that I have for the year. Um, then I'm expecting to lose, but I'm. you better believe I'm going to make them from the whole kit and caboodle. The All wins, right. the 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 ceiling, the, the personal achievement awards, all that stuff. But I have a prop on a future that is unrelated to the chargers. I believe it's even like a big plus money number. Uh, and I I'm looking forward to sharing it. So whenever we're ready, I'll do it. Okay. At G Feinberg 17. So you don't miss that announcement and subscribe to the Pat Mayo experience to catch Jeff every single week talking with me over there. Coming up next. It is the one, the only Pete Overzet. I wasn't lying. Pete Overzet is on the line right now. We got some news that we need to talk about. Cam Akers, running back for the Los Angeles Rams, done for the season with an Achilles tear. Now everyone wants to know, Daryl Henderson, is he a top 10 back? Is he a top 20 running back? Is he a top 25 running back? Pete, what are you doing with Daryl Henderson? How high is this guy going to end up going? Because it feels like it's like at a normal spot now and like probably right like seventh, eighth round, but it's going to be like third round by the time August comes along. Yeah, I'm actually impressed with the restraint drafters are showing right now. I think uh, across multiple sites, I see him kind of settling into the fifth round range, which actually seems very realistic to me. And it almost seems to bake in the assumption that they're going to sign a veteran running back. And uh, I know Schefter had the report that they're not currently looking into that, but I still think they're going to have to sign another body. I mean, they basically have um, UDFAs and rookies on the roster behind Henderson. Uh, but yeah, I think a fifth round is very palatable for him. And, and like you said, if, if they don't actually sign someone as we get into training camp and preseason, I could see him creep up all the way into the third round. So there is two schools 
of thought on this. I saw J.J. Zacharyson put this out there that it really depends where you draft Daryl Henderson is going to be how you think that the Rams are going to use him. That's really what's going to decide this entire thing. You need to figure this out for yourself. Like I went over to run the Sims uh, and right now the updated like baseline projection is a 60% rushing market share for Daryl Henderson. If that's the case and he's around like a 10% market share of the targets, he's running back number 11 for the season. I don't think that he's going to be quite that high. So if this is like, if he's so good and he's going to be the lead back, why was he never the lead back before? I guess is the big question. I think that people are going to have to come to terms with. Yeah, he was like a pretty highly drafted rookie. You know, he competed with Tony Pollard for touches at Memphis, and he was just kind of a flop as a rookie. And it was hard to know and untangle that from his talent versus Sean McVay kind of just being stubborn with his running back usage. But I think he's a really good running back. He had an insane yards per carry in college. And I think the other thing that's really nice for him is last year he was also competing with Malcolm Brown for pass down work and goal line work. And it was almost one of those, you know, three-way committees before acres eventually took over for the rest of the season. And it's the three-way committees that are just death for fantasy production. So now that Malcolm Brown shipped off to Miami Henderson, I mean, the competition behind him is uh, almost non-existent. And if you can guarantee that he's going to be the one catching passes in that up-tempo Matt Stafford offense, I do really think he has a decent floor to go along with the ceiling. How high do you think is going to be too high yeah I like see the problem for me it's always like the structural stuff in that I love the wide receivers in round three and four so as much as I like Henderson it's like I'm sorry I'm not taking you over CD Lamb I'm not taking you over Terry McLaurin uh if he slips or stays in that kind of fifth round range with the Mike Davis types the Miles Gaskin types I love him there uh but he's still really hard to take over some of those stud wide receivers so I'm just looking at where I have let's see where is Mike Davis ranked in my overall rankings you can find my rankings up at dkplaybook.com. I have to update them because Cam Akers is still in them. So I thought I'd do this in real time. So I have Mike Davis, Chris <laughs> Carson, David Montgomery, Miles Sanders, Javante Williams, all sort of on a tier by themselves in the overall rankings. That's behind like the Lamar, Josh Allen, Kyler Murray, like mini tier of quarterbacks. So they're like 47 through 52. So it feels like that's the tier that he should be on right now. Or do you just say, screw it? Like, I think that he should be up with J.K. Dobbins and, I don't know, DeAndre Swift, that type of guy. Yeah, yeah, I think you can definitely make the case for that because, again, you know, his, you look at, say, a J.K. Dobbins competition, right? Like, he's still going to have to deal with Lamar Jackson vulturing touchdowns. Gus Edwards is always going to be a presence there. Um, DeAndre Swift, like, would any of us be shocked if he's in a 50-50 split with Jamal Williams? I don't think that would shock any of us. So the fact that the competition behind Henderson is so slim, I think bodes really well for him. And it's kind of the same situation you see in, say, Cleveland, right, where Nick Chubb has his value. But it's like Kareem Hunt would be worth even more than Nick Chubb if Nick Chubb went down just because he would have the entire backfield to himself. And I think that's what we're seeing uh, in a kind of light version here in Los Angeles. I feel like we can't make it go uncommented on. We've made it through five minutes and I haven't commented on it yet, but I have a very serious question for you. Do you yes. cut your chest hair into a V or is it just naturally grow that way? No, I think this is pretty natural. I mean, now that we get the full, uh, I, someone's going to take a screen grab of this and say, what happened to the Pat Mayo show? Um, no, I think, uh, I think this is just all natural, Pat. 
I like it. I, I mean, I can't grow any chest hair, so it, it's not looking good for me. I have like little, little, like I can like basically personally like name the chest hair that I have. And, you know, I'm closer to 40 than I am to 30. I think this just might be like the, the, what is it? Is it an alpaca? No, it's not an alpaca. What's the cat that has no hair? A Siamese cat? I feel like that's me. Okay. See, I, I mean, if you would have told me that you're the kind of guy that shaves his chest, I would also believe that. I mean, I, I do do that as well because it looks ridiculous. Also, the same reason that I basically shave every single day because it's not good. It's real patchy up there, so it doesn't really make for a good visual when people are turning into the show. Anyway, back to Cam Akers for a second. The other side of this coin with Daryl Henderson is you kind of hit on it. Like, coming out of Memphis, he was drafted a, a year before, but right around where the Rams took Cam Akers. So you could lead it to believe one thing, like, oh, they were really high on this guy at one point. Maybe they saw something they liked even more in Akers, and that's why they pushed Henderson over to the side. But if he does seize control of this backfield and he is a 60 percent market share of the rushing guy or potentially even higher let's say he's playing 75 percent of the snaps all three downs getting the goal line work like this is a potential top i mean i had cam Akers at number seven at running back i don't see why henderson can't be right around there too especially if he's involved in the passing game yeah and i think if they do bring in a body i have a feeling it'll be more of a short yardage kind of bruiser type i mean i don't I, maybe I'm wrong on this, but Henderson doesn't strike me as the, like, you're up 14 points and he's going to salt away the clock with, you know, 15 second half carries. I think they might get someone else to do that. But as far as their kind of up-tempo offense, the pass-catching offense there, I, I think he's going to be heavily involved in a guy they don't have to take off the field. And so as long as we're locking in the pass-down work for him, giving him a little bit of the goal line work, uh, I think it's just all room to run and gravy from there. Yeah, I'm really excited to see what like the the prize picks fantasy prop is going to be on his over under. They might they might shy away from that one for a minute until we get some more concrete information to see if they actually do sign anyone because the guys behind him right now, Jake Funk, Raymond Calais. I'm definitely not saying that right. I thought, I thought his last name was Cialis for a second. But Xavier Jones <laughs> is the one who's getting like the initial rub right now from like the athletic beat reporters. Like this is a guy who scored 25 touchdowns his final season of college. He could be the goal line back. So maybe there is a bit of smoke and fire where that report is coming from. Like, do you think he is someone towards the end of best ball drafts, not knowing anything else? They haven't signed anyone. Henderson's going to keep creeping up boards. Would Xavier Jones or Xavier, not quite sure how he says it, <laughs> might get Yes, it's Xavier, but is he someone that you could put into the very back end of a best ball draft? I think so. I, I think all of a sudden, the one thing we're always doing in the best ball drafts and in any drafts is trying to target uncertain backfields. And I think there's a few like that this year, whether it's the Falcons, the Dolphins, the Jets, where the market seems to think they know what's going to happen. But just based on the kind of players that are there, I don't think we can be fully certain. And now that you remove Cam Akers from this backfield, as much as we all like Henderson, I think this now shifts to a very uncertain backfield. And we're trying to find this year's James Robinson. All right, let's talk Mike Davis since you, know, you brought him up because I still have no idea. I'm overdrafting him. At this point, only yeah. because I think that he's going too late. Like I was looking at like the season long NFC high stakes drafts. He's still going in like pick number 61, pick number 62 over the last month. And I have no real feel for Mike Davis. I don't know whether he's going to be good in this offense or not, but they like by not bringing anyone in, I'm not sweating Quadre Olsen at this point. Maybe it's someone I've never heard of who just emerges from the team. Maybe they never run the ball. That would be a novel concept. But if he's just going to be a guy who's mediocre, but he gets 20 touches a game, like, there is value to that. 
Oh yeah. A hundred percent. I mean, if I think that's the thing, if all of us would be, I mean, Mike Davis would be what a second round pick if we could guarantee like, you know, 16 games of him being the bell cow. I think it's just, there's enough uncertainty there. Even last year when he took over for Christian McCaffrey, he started out as the bell cow and then they started mixing in, you know, some, some touches for Reggie Bonifant and some touches for Curtis Samuel. And you just saw his kind of market share uh, as a bell cow start to slowly slip away. So just as a veteran running back, I'm a little skeptical that he is going to be this player playoff hammer. And I guess because I'm doing all these basketball tournaments right now, I'm thinking, okay, who's going to be a league winner weeks 15 through 17. And I just have a hard time telling myself a story that that's Mike Davis, but I certainly see, see the right out of the gate appeal. I had Davis on the very first show, probably a bad marketing ploy for fantasy football <laughs> picks and bets, but it was good to get people triggered right off the hop. That always really helps get, gets the people talking. Uh, and we were talking about his best ball strategies. Now you talk to him a ton. What is Davis doing wrong? Do you think? Because a lot of people were like, Davis is stupid. This is not how you do it. So Davis, uh, Davis is actually transformed in the past few years. I'm sure as you've noticed into a, into a sharp, uh, a, which isn't near as fun as him just being like a mini skip Bayless who says absurd things. I would say early on, he he's obsessed with James white, Pat. I don't know if you've seen this, but this guy's never posted a screenshot of a draft without James white on it. And I don't really get the full on fascination. So I would say right now, Davis's Achilles heel is his love of James white. That's really strange. Where's James white going in best ball drafts, like around 13, 14, around that range. Even a little later than that, people don't want him uh, on their team except Davis. That's really strange. I mean, I like James White. James White is fine. If he has or if his role is in this, I mean, you're up in the New England area. Is I think it really depends on how long Cam is starting, doesn't it? Because Cam's not checking down to running backs. Yeah, that's the thing too. I do think it's kind of a bet on Mac Jones taking over. I was just reading. Uh, a New England beat reporter Ben Bolin was talking and, and he really thinks that the team just wants to sit Mac Jones a clipboard year uh, which makes sense the things is what are the two reasons Mac Jones would come in Cam either gets hurt or Cam plays really poorly both of those things seem likely to happen so I think we could see Mac Jones at some point uh, I guess the one nice thing is we know James White's role is just locked in. He's going to be that pass catching back. It is a little kind of crowded as far as the other early down rushers. Obviously, Damian Harris going to lead the stuff there. Sony Michelle in the mix. And then they have that rookie Ramondre Stevenson, who kind of has like the Rex Burkhead profile where he can run a little bit and catch. And so Rex Burkhead could be uh, the fly in the James White ointment too. So yeah, I, I get it. There's a lot of those kind of pass catchers that you can get late. You know, Gio Bernard is there. I think I prefer Gio to him. JD McKissick, I think I prefer to James White, but I don't hate it when you're a little thin at running back. Well, I was just, just to go back to Mike Davis for a second, I was looking at his uh, prize picks fantasy prop uh, for the year. It's 805 rushing yards or 800.5 rushing yards. I mean, just stay healthy and 2.9 yards carry your way to that number, wouldn't you? <laughs> yeah, I guess the other question is like, how good do we think the Falcons are going to be this year? Because I could also see them being a team that kind of just implodes. Um, I feel like they've made some weird moves this offseason. I think the offense is going to be fine, but I could just see them in way more negative game scripts. You know, Matt Ryan having to chuck it 50 times a game in the second half as they're down. And so I think in those scenarios, uh, you know, your, your veteran running back might not be getting the rock 20 times, but 
I, I don't know. It sounds like you want to go pound the over. I, I do kind of want to pound the over. I got I got to work out what this is going to be right now. So if it's eight hundred point five yards, and let's let's be generous here and say three point one yards per carry for Mike Davis, is he really going to get <laughs> two hundred and fifty rushing attempts? Yeah, maybe, maybe not. Maybe that's a pretty decent one. But all of a sudden, if he's averaging four yards per attempt, we're way over this on far fewer carries. So I'm not too upset about that. Late round in best ball right now. How are you rounding out your teams? Are you rounding out the rest of your stacks with some of these periphery guys, backup receivers to go along with the the combos that you built? Like if you went Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams, although who knows with Aaron Rodgers at this point. We we spent Thursday's show talking about Aaron Rodgers, the Packers. It looks like he's coming back. Then all of a sudden it's like, oh, no, no he turned down an extension. So who knows what's going on there? But if that was the case, start taking these like third and fourth receivers on Green Bay if you have those two just to try to capitalize. Is that a move? Or do you just try to have like pure upside guys regardless of who they are? Yeah, I, I generally let my stacks kind of dictate those late round picks. And I think it's also a good way to make because basically what happens is these sites, they have the ADP in there and no one wants to make a crazy reach on ADP and draft a guy that's, you know, a hundred spots down in the draft applet. And so I think it allows you to get unique and kind of my little hack I've been doing is I've been drafting lots of wide receiver four. So like take Keelan Cole on the jets where it's kind of uncertain if it's going to be Denzel Mims or Keelan Cole, I'll take a stab on him or say draft Trevor Lawrence and the three Jags wide receivers, Marvin Jones, Visca and DJ Chark are all off the board. I'll take a stab on Colin Johnson. And it's kind of a bet of who knows, maybe he just outplays Marvin Jones. Maybe Marvin Jones gets hurt, but these wide receiver fours that could step in and be wide receiver threes. Those are guys I'm, I'm going after Adam Humphreys, another one where he's getting good training camp buzz. And I know no one's excited about Adam Humphreys, but he could just be the starting slot receiver and get a decent amount of targets for Ryan Fitzpatrick. So trying to get unique in smart ways at the end of drafts with my stacks. Now, where are the handcuffs going? Because I figure like the Pollard types and even the tier two Pollard types, uh, when we get down to it, sort of like the, the Devontae Bookers of the world. Like, are those targets for you in like rounds 18, rounds 19, where, hey, if Saquon goes down, like Booker could just be this year's Wayne Gullman. Yeah. Yeah. Those guys are, are mostly free and we've seen kind of just a huge shift in general in best ball drafts where the wide receivers are getting pushed up more and more. Whereas last year it was possible to find really good wide receiver flyers late. Now you're really having to dig uh, to the bottom of the barrel, but on the flip side, the running backs are pretty intriguing. Like Chuba Hubbard. I mean, he's going to be a direct handcuff to Christian McCaffrey. He's free in every draft. You mentioned, uh, Booker, he's free in every draft. A lot of those guys are just kind of there uh, if you want them, both the direct handcuffs and kind of the ambiguous backfields like the Dolphins, you know, behind Gaskin, you can get Savan Ahmed, you can get Malcolm Brown for free. And so, yeah, I'm often, I'm normally grabbing like a pass catching guy, maybe a James White, a Gio Bernard and Naheem Hines, and then getting like a true handcuff, just seeing if things break this way. I mean, you mentioned um, Booker, he feels to me like he could be, you know, uh, the Mike Davis this year if Barkley isn't ready in time uh, for the start of the season, which seems like a possibility right now, or if he were to get hurt, I don't know who else is going to compete for touches with him. So this is a strategy that I've always taken in season long formats. Cause I ended up with a lot of Mike Davis last year. We were doing the shows. I remember talking to Celia about it. I was like, why is no one drafting Mike Davis? If McCaffrey gets hurt, this is who it's going to be. Why else have this guy yeah. on the team? So he just ended up being my last round pick. Then all of a sudden McCaffrey goes down and I have someone who's, 
out for three weeks was a running back one and then was like a playable guy for the rest of the year if you needed him in a pinch spot or your just team wasn't very good some of my teams just weren't very good and I was running Mike Davis out there every <laughs> single week it, it happens all right but would you prefer to, and I didn't have Christian McCaffrey that was the big part about it I was like I don't care if I have McCaffrey or not I, I can see the path for this guy to do it so in best ball especially if you're competing for one of these giant overall titles I would think that it's probably not best to handcuff your own guys but to handcuff other people's guys so then you get like a, a bonus at that point in your league where if you don't have Zeke but you go get Pollard if Zeke gets hurt not only do you have a potential running back one the other guy just has nothing at that point where if you have McCaffrey and Mike Davis from last year you go from having the best running back to just slightly downgrading your running back spot I feel like the other way gives you more outs for upside but with a far you know, lower floor but who's playing for floor Exactly. And I, I don't, I'm, I'm not a handcuffer in general, even in 12 man home leagues and stuff. I don't begrudge people though. If you invest in Zeke and you just want to lock it up with Pollard, you know, knock yourself out. But yeah, when you're trying to win uh, these massive top heavy prize pools, you are trying to hit uh, massively in every way. It's like same as trying to win the Millie maker on DraftKings. You need to hit so many of your picks correctly uh, that the thing I like to think about is just drafting under the assumption that I'm right. So if I take Nick Chubb in round one, uh, maybe this isn't a great example because Kareem Hunt's so expensive. Let's say Dalvin Cook in round one. I don't want to take Alexander Madison because I want to work under the assumption that Dalvin Cook's going to be the RB1. When I drafted him, let's pretend he's great. Well, if he's great, Madison's never going to do anything. So why would I try to protect myself? I'd rather take you know, Devin Singletary there instead. And in case Zach Moss goes down, maybe Devin Singletary, like you said, is now a top running back and I have two top running backs. So with these large field prize pools, you can't draft scared. You can't draft for safety. I think you need to be taking big cuts at all those picks. Pete Overzet, thank you for being on. Should I tell the people that you're going to be a regular on fantasy football picks and bets in season? I think we should do it. I think we should tell the people. Well, I, I just told them. So <laughs> I, I feel like uh, you're going to be doing the DraftKings first look of the pricing when it comes out during the season. Yep, that's correct. We'll be hopping on here, giving you my my takes right away. I think I'll record those on uh, on Monday, so you'll get my uh, you know my first take on the salaries after they've come out. Right when I'm done tilting, uh, what had happened on Sunday. So yeah. Well, what you can do, I mean, if we're going to call it your first take, you should actually have to record. I mean, you're a creative guy. You have to record it uh, first take style. So you have to play both parts. You get to be uh, Stephen A. To, uh... you, you get to be, you get to be, we'll just bring it back. We'll have, you can be Skip and Stephen A. We'll reunite the team. And then you can do your first take that way of just you yelling at each other. You know what? Yeah, people have often wanted me to uh, to do an interview with my alter ego, Pete Manzanelli. So maybe this is my chance to play two characters. You just gave me permission to do this. You you will regret it, though. I will, but I, I'll be very excited to tune into that first episode. <laughs> yeah, and uh, excited to uh, to be working with uh, with Run the Sims this year it, as well. Going to be using those tools for uh, all my DFS content. So yeah, it's uh, we're going to have a great year. Yeah, it's going to be a ton of fun. Uh, tell everyone if they don't know already where they can find you on YouTube. Yep, just youtube.com slash Peter Overzet. We're in best ball mode right now, but uh, going to be shifting here to uh, to DFS very shortly, and uh, we'll have all kinds of DFS videos throughout the season. All right, sub to Pete's channel. Um, you can hit the description or the comment section, and you will find the direct link to Pete's 
YouTube channel, so go subscribe to that now. And also, do not forget to rate, review, and subscribe to Fantasy Football Picks and Bets on Apple Podcasts. I put that link down there, too. The prize pool right now is at $500 for a five-star review, something you enjoy about the show, Twitter handle or email address to get yourself into the draw. We'll be doing that sometime in August, but the more reviews we get, the more that prize pool is going to grow. So please go do that now, just like you should go. Use our link in the description or code MMA at prizepicks.com to get yourself in on some of these fantasy prop totals going into the season because there's a couple of them out there right now. I mean, Feinberg and I just discussed some of them for the Chargers that seem pretty juicy. I'm not going to lie to you. Check out Tuesday or Monday's show with Davis Maddock as well for some best ball and some Packers fantasy prop season totals for the year because you might be able to catch a lot of places sleeping on the Packers so far if you think that Aaron Rodgers is coming back. You can follow me on Twitter at VPME. Remember to smash the like button for the episode. That'll do it for us. We'll see you next week. Oh.